Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Bolton here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are so glad you are hanging out with us. We are honored and delighted that you decided to join us for uh, for part of your day. All right, we do appreciate you being here. Hey, today we got another great guest for you. We try to bring a lot of great guests to you. We're picky about the people that we allow to come hang out with you, and we want to make sure that we are bringing only the best of the best. And today is no exception. Before we get into that, let me remind you: if you haven't already, we'd love for you to stop by and check out Free Speaker Workshop. This is a free training that we offer on a daily basis where we are teaching exactly how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So again, stop by, check out free speaker workshop, and uh, you can register for an upcoming time that we offer. And I would love to uh, see you on that real soon. All right. So today we're chatting with my friend, Selena Sue, and Selena is a uh, expert on all things PR and media. As we talk about why is PR media even important for speakers, why speakers should be paying attention to it. We actually go through a pyramid that Selena put together of four different different levels of media and press and which ones are easier to get into, which ones are more difficult. But ultimately, she walks through the steps on each of these of how to get PR and again, why it matters for speakers. And then finally, we talk about how to best leverage PR and media in your speaking business. So let's say you get mentioned in some magazine or publication or online, and you're just kind of wondering, okay, I I got that. But now what do I do with that? So we're going to walk through exactly how to leverage that in your speaking business. All right. So let's get right into it. It. Here's my conversation with Miss Selena Sue. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Hey, today we're hanging out with my friend Selena Sue, who is a, a PR ninja and wizard and is going to teach us all things that we need to know. Selena, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me here. Thank you for hanging out with us. So, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us what you do in the world of PR and media, and, and then we'll dig into uh, how this applies to speakers. Sure. So I'm a publicity and marketing strategist, and my work is around helping entrepreneurs impact millions of people with their message. And I started my business about five years ago, but the real starting point was in my mid-20s when I had a quarter-life crisis. And I found myself you know, feeling depressed, unhappy, and discovered this woman's life coaching group. And through that life coach, I discovered all sorts of books from people like Marianne Williamson, Deepak Chopra, Louise Hay, and then eventually discovered this world of online entrepreneurship, people like Danielle Laporte and Marie Forleo. I remember at the time just thinking, these people are so amazing. I want the whole world to know about them. For me, I was struggling with things around my life purpose and my career, but for other people, it may be around relationships or health. But I think that when people are looking for transformation in their lives, they're not just looking for more information, they're looking for inspiration. And I felt like it was so important for the world to know about these thought leaders who had these powerful ideas and embody this message of possibility and transformation. So from that point, I just became really dedicated to helping people like that get their message out. 
when I was first getting started, I didn't have an official business. I was just finding ways to, even though being a shy person, just kind of reaching out to these people, letting them know how much I appreciate their work and started paying attention to their needs and connecting them to people. And so by being this connector and consistently adding value to people's lives, I developed a reputation and that became the foundation for my business. So I'm curious what that looked like because it sounds like you were in a spot where a lot of speakers often find themselves, speakers and entrepreneurs in general, of we look up to different other speakers or entrepreneurs or just people we admire or respect that are a couple steps ahead of us and further down the road that we'd love to connect with, that we just, we'd love to have a friendship with or, or love to help or support. But oftentimes we feel like, what do we bring to the table? What can we offer? So what did you do early on to build some of those relationships and connections with some of those influencers? Yeah, I'd love to share a specific example. So when I was in business school, I was walking home one day from my summer internship and I saw my favorite number one influencer in the street. His name's Ramit Sethi. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when we see, you know, the people that we admire, we think, oh my gosh, like, you know, either we're thinking, should I go up and talk to them or should I run in the other direction? Because I'm so terrified. Yeah. And I went up and approached him and we started a conversation. And it was funny because he was actually letting his parents into a car. They had just gone on a cruise together. And so we started talking. He mentioned his sisters. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember you've got two sisters. And, you know, chapter seven on your book about savings, you talked about how they both had to save up for like, you know, their Indian weddings. And he was just so shocked that I remembered those details. And we started talking about his programs, which I had purchased. And then he ended up inviting me to one of his local New York meetups. And I went to this meetup and I remember meeting one of his friends there, Derek Halpern. And he saw me talking to Derek and laughing. And he was like, oh, you know, you know, Derek. And I was like, no, I just met him five minutes ago. And really the secret to getting people interested in you is to show that you're interested in them first. And so when I approached for me on the street, you know, I was coming from a place of passion and appreciation for his work. I had purchased his program um, with Derek. I had, I was familiar with his work. And so I think that, you know, a lot of times when we're thinking about how do we connect with the people we admire, we think that we need to have something really big to give them. Um, And we think, okay, well, they're more successful. They have more money. What could we do? But really, you know, leading with appreciation and gratitude and interest in someone's work is the starting point to developing a relationship. And then one of the next things that happened is Ramit reached out to me while I was in business school and told me, you know, I'm updating my website. I've got these mock-ups and I would, you know, love a couple minutes of your feedback if you have time. And I remember thinking, you know, this is the most important thing. And I left my entrepreneurship class. I went to the library and I organized this focus group and I spent four hours getting feedback on the images, the copy, the layout. And I wrote a couple pages of feedback and sent that over to him. And so even though he wasn't a client of mine, he got a sense for the quality of my work. And I would consistently, you know, find ways to help him, whether it was edit emails or introduce him to people. I ended up getting him an Oprah magazine. I got him on local TV. And so it just always, rather than wait for opportunities, well, sometimes he would ask me for things and I would take it and run with it, but also go out of my way to figure out, you know, how can I be valuable? How can I make a connection? How can I offer feedback? And Things like making introductions or offering feedback doesn't have to take a lot of time, but it can make a massive difference. Yeah. It seems like a lot of it is just being aware and paying attention to not only the people that you're uh, that you're looking up to and admiring and being well aware of them, not like in a stalker sense, but, but just knowing what they're into, what they're working on, what projects that they have, how you can support them, and just being able to, to pay attention to that seems like that really made a big difference for you. 
Absolutely. And I think a key point here is that you don't need to know a million people. Once I met Rami, I got connected to Derek Halpern. And from there, I got connected to Marie Forleo. Yeah. And so I encourage everyone to develop an influencer list and really get clear on what are their top business goals, whether it's around booking more speaking, getting more clients or building their email list. And then thinking about who are the p- people who can help me reach this goal. Maybe they are somebody who has already achieved that goal. They could be years ahead or just a couple of steps ahead, or they could be people who are connected to others that can help me get to that goal faster. And then just have that list of people. You know, I recommend having 10 to 20 people on your influencer list and just focusing on that versus feeling like there's a whole universe of people that I should be connecting with, but I'm not. How do you find the balance in terms of, of people that you want to connect with, of people that it's like, it feels realistic that you can connect with them? versus people that are just like so far outside of the possibility of you becoming BFFs with them. So how do you find like, how do you find that balance of as you're building that kind of list of who should be on it and who's just, you know, it's just just a, a pipe dream? Yeah. I mean, you definitely want to have a mix of people on your influencer list. I think starting out, people think, well, you know, isn't an influencer someone like Richard Branson or Oprah Winfrey? But like you're saying, those might not be the best people to put on your list. You know, I think that some of the people that can be most valuable are people that are just a couple of steps ahead of you. Mm -hmm. So they may be other colleagues who are connected and who have, you know, figured things out earlier on in their own business around like the, the goal that you're looking to achieve. Also, some of the best people to connect with are people who you may think of as competitors but I like to think of them as colleagues. You know, I know plenty of people who have gotten speaking opportunities from other friends who are speakers who just aren't available for those opportunities, or maybe the fee wasn't the right amount for them or whatever it is. You know, some of the people that I've helped the most in my business are other people who are working in the PR industry who I send clients to. And so people might think, well, you know, we're competitors, we do the same thing. But actually, you know, some people may be in a place where they're not taking one on one clients, they would love to have someone to send all that business to. So I think that with your influencer list, you want to have a mix of really aspirational people, people who are a couple steps ahead of you. And then also people who are big fans and supporters. You know, I hear people say all the time, like, I don't want to be as you know, come off as like a fangirl. And honestly, some of the people that have helped me the most are people who are followers of my work. And, you know, when I think about the mentors that I really admire and have, I don't know, supported people like Ramit Sethi or Ryan Levesque or other people, I consider myself to be a huge fan of theirs. And so I think there's nothing wrong with that. So really thinking broadly and having diversity on your influencer list. All right, let's jump into this PR stuff because I've been at, I don't know that I would be I would call myself skeptical, but I just haven't paid a lot of attention to PR over the course of my career. Okay. And so I'm I'm interested to dig into this and and uh, I I want to figure out how this applies to speakers. So, first of all, like like why should speakers be paying attention to PR? Like why is that something that even matters? Yeah, sure. So getting publicity is the fastest way to build your brand and build that authority and credibility. And when you're looking to be selected as a speaker, I mean, one, you have to have an inspiring you know, speaker topic. You have to be great at what you do, but you also want to be someone who is seen as sought after and really seen as that go-to expert in your industry. And it's so funny because everybody understands what it means to be featured in Huffington Post or Forbes. You know, I think of like entrepreneurs who may be like saying to their family, you know, I got a thousand people registered for my webinar and their parents are like, huh? And then they're like, oh, I got an article on Entrepreneur Magazine talking about my speaking topic. And they're like, oh my God. And once you do that a couple of times and your network sees it, they're like, wow, you're going places. You know, there's a lot of authority that comes with saying, you know, I would love to talk about X topic and I publish 
published a piece about this in Forbes magazine. So it really is a big credibility booster. I also find that when you share your PR pieces on social media, they have a tendency to be more widely shared or even go viral. And I've had people post pieces like um, one of my clients, Camera Luna, she was on Business Insider. And she also really encouraged her audience to share the piece and comment on the piece. And that led to a producer at Oprah Magazine, or actually the Oprah Winfrey Network, learning about her and then reaching out to us. So it does really have that effect of really generating a lot of buzz in your community. So it seems like there's the potential of not only just getting the recognition, but also the authority piece, but just the ripple effect of you never know who is reading something or seeing something or coming across something and what doors that that may open or what other things that that could potentially lead to. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then the other thing is I found, you know, different types of media are good for different types of goals that you have. With podcast interviews, for example, I think those are really great because they are relatively easy to line up quickly if you've got the right pitch and they're easy to do. You can do them in 30 minutes to an hour. And I found that there are certain stories I'll share again and again in podcast interviews. And when I'm doing that, I it's like I get real-time feedback from the host. You know, I can see what people are posting about in the comments and it helps me fine-tune my stories. And a lot of those stories I consistently share in podcast interviews could become the basis for a talk later. So I think oftentimes when people think of like PR, we think of like big media and being on the news or being on some type of, of you know morning talk show or being in some major publication. But you know, even to your point there of referencing, you know, being on a podcast or something, what are the different options that the speakers should be considering and looking into when we when we talk about PR and media in general? Yeah, sure. So I'd love to kind of talk about this concept that I have called the publicity pyramid. And it's this really strategic approach to getting publicity. So the mistake that a lot of people make is, you know, they'll say things like, you know, Selena, I want to be on today's show, or mm-hmm. I want to be interviewed by Oprah Winfrey. And those are opportunities that are at the top of the pyramid, but you have to start towards the bottom. So what I recommend people do is start with guest posts. And the reason why is because there's so many opportunities to get guest posts. There's, you know, websites like Huffington Post, Thrive Global, Forbes, Business Insider, Mind Body Green that are built on this guest post model. So there's really unlimited opportunities. And the other great thing about guest posts is that these are well-known brand names. So once you start getting this media and sharing it, people are noticing it. It's building your brand. And also with guest posts, there's often an opportunity to link back to your website or link back to a free gift. So I've had guest posts that have gotten me anywhere from, you know, whether it's 30 new subscribers to 1,000 to 2,000 subscribers. It depends on the opportunity. It can be a little bit hit or miss sometimes. But as you start to get the right opportunities, it can really build your audience. And then once you've expressed your ideas through the written word, then the next level is podcast opportunities. Now you're, you know, talking your ideas out in this back and forth format. Now with podcast opportunities, these can tend to be a bit more niche. Maybe the average person has hasn't heard of the podcast that you're looking to go on. But with podcasts, you can target a very niche group of people that could be ideal clients. So people that are spending 30 minutes or an hour listening to a particular podcast week after week, who are spending their time on that are people who are likely to invest in themselves. And so if you're looking to sell, say, a $10,000 coaching package, the people that listen to podcasts are people who could be likely candidates if you're targeting the right outlets. Then the next level is magazines. So once you've built that base of publicity, you know, you're ready for those more prestigious opportunities. And magazines tend to be a little bit harder to get because typically magazines publish 12 times a year, whereas with guest posts, for example, there's unlimited opportunities. Right. 
And with magazines, they typically aren't going to have you publish an entire piece. They have a freelance writer who would write those pieces or a staff writer. But what they will do is they'll want to include your expert quotes within a story. And so at that point, you really need to learn how to speak in sound bites and get your message across more succinctly. And then after magazines, the next level would be TV, you know, where you're going on air. And oftentimes, you know, it will be, say, a live TV format where, you know, you have to really have your sound bites down. You can't kind of rehearse and practice and change things up like you might be able to do in a guest post or even in a podcast interview. So that's kind of the process that I recommend. Each level kind of builds upon each other and makes it easier to get the next opportunity. But of course, in real life, it, it can really depend. Sometimes you know someone who works at a magazine and you get your first press hit then and then you get podcasts. But in terms of the most kind of strategic step by step, step way to go it will be starting at the bottom of the pyramid with guest posts and then moving towards the top with TV. Interesting. So and one of the things you kind of touched on there is is oftentimes we look to whatever the biggest thing is. So being on some morning talk show or being interviewed by Oprah or whatever it may be. But oftentimes it's actually the being in front of the right audience, even if it's a, it's a much smaller audience that can really move the needle. So I remember talking with a friend of mine who's a, a New York Times bestselling author, and he was talking about what moved the most books for him. And he is he was on one of the morning talk shows and he said he moved like hardly any books, but he was on one specific yeah. podcast and moved significantly more books just by even though the audience was dramatically smaller, it was the right audience and it was much more engaged audience than what maybe, you know, someone who has the Today Show on in the background. So have you found that to be the case as well? That whenever it comes to like, yeah, I want to be on the Today Show, that would be cool, but there's also a lot of value in being doing a guest post on the right site or being on the right podcast with the right audience. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this is so important. You know, with PR, there's kind of PR that is very glamorous PR that on the one hand, it's not a bad thing to have. It can build your credibility. You can add that to your media bio, to your website, but there's also like the kind of PR that's going to help you reach your goals faster. So in my own business, I found that being on podcasts with other experts who have, you know, engaged audiences of people that tend to invest in themselves, who tend to purchase products and services are really my ideal clients. So my biggest media opportunity was guest posting for my mentor, Ramit Sethi's website, which led to 2,000 email subscribers, and then later doing a video interview for him. And, you know, the average person may or may not have heard of his brand, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. But for me, that's where a lot of the people that ended up investing in my courses came from. Yeah. Well, I think that, that that's a good point of recognizing which audience makes the most sense for you and your specific. So a site that you may want to be on or a podcast that you may want to be on may not necessarily make sense for me or someone else that may be listening, you know, so making yeah. sure that you're, you're finding the right type of audience. So and also, I think from a speaker perspective, you kind of touched on this, like what figuring out what your goals are. So if it's I want to use PR, I want to use media in order to get more speaking engagements then one of the things that, that we work with speakers on is helping them to realize that the, the decision maker, the buyer who actually may hire them may be different than who's in the audience. So oftentimes thinking through and figuring out where do those buyers gather? Where do those decision makers gather? What are the things that they are a part of in terms of, of media or what sites are they reading? What podcasts are they listening to? Have you found the same? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so that brings up another point. So I think for people who are speakers, you know, the decision makers that are looking to book them, they're not necessarily going to listen to an hour long podcast interview, just because they're considering so many different speakers. I mean, I think they would like to see that someone has experience doing live interviews, but they're going to be drawn to people that have secured media with, you know, big brand names. And so the thing is, 
when you're featured on places like Forbes or Huffington Post or recognizable media outlets, even if people don't read the articles, but they know that you been there, that's going to give you more credibility. And if you are someone who's a speaker that is looking to turn your talk into a book, publishers are going to want to see that you've got a mainstream media. That's going to help you get a bigger book deal and just give them proof that your concept is interesting to the mainstream. So even if like that doesn't initially maybe grow your list or reach your ideal people, there is still value in showing that you have the potential to build mainstream media. And the other thing I'll say is that it's a really good idea to think about how can you leverage the media that you get. So like, let's say someone's on the Today Show, and they're saying, okay, I didn't really move the needle. I think that I like to think of publicity also as a form of content, right? It's a form of content marketing where you're sharing your ideas, but then with the content that you help create, there's also a responsibility to make sure that lots of people see it. So, you know, Derek Halpern talks about 20% of the time is creating the content, 80% of the time is promoting the content. So if I were in this person's situation, there's a couple of things I would do. I would send an email to my list and I would share the story with them around how I got this amazing interview on today's show, really get people people excited. I might even share more than one email about it. I might have some pictures of me getting ready or some pictures at the studio and then say like, stay tuned because tomorrow I'm going to send you the interview and really engage my most passionate, you know, fans and audience in, you know, what I'm doing. And the other thing that I would do is I would run ads, you know, I would get the video clip and typically they, you know, have it on the website. You know, what you can do is you can put the link in Facebook and just see how do people start engaging with it. And, you know, your business page will say things like nine, 90% more people engage with this post than others. So then you know, okay, this post has like viral potential, people are going to engage with it, then you can put money behind that Facebook ad and also invite people to leave comments and share and, and kind of create that viral effect. And then from there, you know, you are putting your media in front of people, you're building your brand, you're targeting your audience or the visitors to your website. And then you can retarget them with say a webinar offer. So that is going to help you get more people signing up for your list, signing up for your webinar much more inexpensively than if you were just targeting them without that piece of media to warm them up. That makes sense. All right. So if we've bought into that PR matters and media is important, where do we go from there? So I want to get a guest post or I want to get on a podcast or I want to get in a magazine or I want to get on a, on a TV show. What do we do from that point? Yeah. So the first thing is getting really clear on what you want to be known for and which media outlets you're looking to target. So for example, for me, I'm looking to talk to people about publicity. I have to get clear that this is a niche topic, right? Is this a niche topic or a mainstream topic? Because entrepreneurs are interested in getting publicity for themselves, but the average nine to five office worker isn't necessarily looking to be featured in Forbes magazine. And so knowing that's a niche topic, I need to target niche publications. So getting clear, what are your three to five expert topics? And then which are the publications that cover those topics? So that would be the first step. And then from there, you know, doing some research. So, you know, let's say you're looking to get on a podcast, going through the past podcast episodes and looking at who has been interviewed. So you could reach out to someone and say, you know, hey, I would love to be on your podcast. I know that, you know, your you know, focus is X, Y, and Z. And you had a guest who talked about X. I think I could really add to this conversation by focusing on Y. But, you know, pitching someone in a way that is personal and thoughtful and relevant. I mean, we can kind of go through more in terms of what's involved in pitching, but I think where people usually get tripped up is that they, they don't know even who to, like which media outlets to target and also, you know, just getting clear on what's the, you know, most thoughtful way, you know, strategic way to do that. 
Yeah, and I think that that's the and I'd, I'd love to dig into the pitch side of it more because that I think that makes a huge huge difference and really can kind of separate you. I know for us personally, you know, we get emails on a on a weekly basis, multiple times a week that from people who want to be on on the podcast, and it always oftentimes feels like this is an email that was sent to me and a hundred other podcasts. And it just feels like a very copy pasted type of thing. We have a a previous podcast we used to host called How Did You Get Into That? That finished at this time, uh, the time that was recording, finished two years ago. And I still almost on a weekly basis get pitched to be on it. And (laughs) you're just like, you know, you haven't listened to it. It was over two years ago. Like, what are you doing? You know, so just like a little (laughs) bit of homework can go a long way in terms of really differentiating yourself versus I'm just going to find the top 100 podcasts in whatever category and send them all an email. So how do you mm-hmm. send some type of email for yeah. you know for a site, for a podcast, for whatever it may be, really stand out? Because oftentimes, like, like we're kind of touching on here, they get hit with a lot of emails and hit with a lot of pitches. So how do you kind of rise above the noise? Yeah, absolutely. So let's break down the pitch process step by step. So step one is coming up with a subject line because some busy people are not even going to read every single one of their emails. So you want the subject line to be clear. Let's say you have a friend in common. You might want to say something like podcast pitch in the subject line and then parentheses referred by, you know, the name of the mutual friend. You know, when people are pitching magazines, I oftentimes recommend that they put the words pitch in the subject line and then the headline of the story idea, just because then it's clear, they know, okay, this is not a press release. This is, you know, a thoughtful story idea or pitch. And then with the email, you know, you want to begin with starting on kind of a warm note and creating that personal connection. So for example, you want to show that you're familiar with a media outlet, but you don't want to just say like, hi, I love your podcast because you could literally (laughs) copy and paste out to everyone. That's not very necessarily, I guess, specific, right? And so what I recommend people do is they say something about what they appreciate about that media outlet. Maybe it's, you know, an article that the person you pitched wrote recently, or maybe it's a particular podcast episode that you really enjoyed, but including one specific detail. So I know that this is, you know, genuine and thoughtful and customized. And then, so that's kind of one of the first steps within the body of the pitch. And the next step is introducing yourself. But when you introduce yourself, you want to keep it really concise, just two sentences, not four paragraphs about your story. You can link to your about page where they can get more details, or you can include a media bio at the very bottom of your email. But your introduction should just be really short, stating you know who you are, who you help, and then also including a couple of credibility markers. So some of your credibility markers might be things like the number of people you've served, or the types of media you've secured or your education or schooling or the types of companies you've worked with, but some kind of detail to show that you're you know, a true expert at what you do. Then after you introduce yourself, you want to share your story ideas. So these would be the things that you talk about in your interviews or the things that you write about. And you want to share your story ideas in the form of headlines so that the person could see like, okay, if I were to publish, you know, this article or turn this into an interview, I can see that this headline would be something, you know, I can imagine my audience being interested in it. I can imagine them clicking on it. So sharing the headline and then if possible, a couple of details. So if you're saying like, you know, the three biggest mistakes that people make around X, ideally you have in parentheses an example of like one or two of the mistakes, just to give them a taste so they know what you're talking about. And then the other thing that you want to do, this is for bonus points, is you want to show that you've experienced with the type of media that you're pursuing. So for example, if you're looking to be on a podcast, it is helpful to say, you know, I've been on other podcasts before like X and Y. Or if you're looking to write a guest post, 
share that, you know, I have written for these other sites or I've published on my own blog. Because if someone has no experience and, for example, isn't able to write, then these, you know, guest post sites are going to be more hesitant. They're always thinking, if I say yes to this person, even if the story idea is good, like, can this person write? So kind of showing a sample of the media you've gotten can be helpful. Right. And then in terms of, you know, wrapping up the email, letting the person know that, you know, you're open to brainstorming, that you are also open to any other ideas or helping with any other stories that they're working on. So, you know, not making it seem like I can only talk about the two or three ideas I suggested, but I'm also open to other stories or ideas around this set of topics. So that would be like the basic structure that I recommend for a pitch. But it makes a huge difference to give some suggested topics of things that you could you can cover and ideally have research those as well as it relates to that specific podcast. So if you can yeah. come on and say, hey, I noticed that here's a topic that I think would be a benefit to your audience. And I noticed you haven't covered this or it's been several months since you've covered this. Again, it shows that you've done your homework and it makes it easier for them to make a decision versus just saying like, hey, I'm really cool. You should have me on your podcast. You know, why? For what? You know, what, what's the point of that? So making sure that you're really clear on what's the value that you're bringing to the table there. No, I'm curious, yeah. like in that pitch, because there's several different points there that you you want to make sure that you're, you're touching on. So how do you yeah. find the balance between making it concise and to the point that it's easy to kind of go through and, and make a decision on versus like really stretching out to the point where it just becomes like most people aren't going to read it. They're just going to delete it. So how long should that pitch be and how do you how do you keep it short and concise? Got it. Yeah, the pitch should just be a couple of paragraphs. So two short, either one paragraph or two short paragraphs where you are, you know, creating that warm connection, introducing yourself. But the in terms of creating that warm connection, that's one or two sentences. And then introducing yourself is another one or two sentences. So we're only at four sentences before we dive into the ideas. And when you're pitching, you know, you can either do like, let's say one or two ideas in depth, or you could even send over three or five bullet points, right? If you're sending just one idea, then you can dive and deeper and have a, a couple of sentences really expanding on the idea. But if you have a list of you know five ideas, then you'll want to keep each idea to one sentence long. And so you would bold the headline and parentheses. You may want to add a couple of details, but it's not required. You could always just kind of give the ideas. And if they want more information, you can kind of share those details. And then just you know a sentence where you share information about the other media that you secured or, or links to other relevant work samples than just saying that, you know, you would love to serve that audience and you're open to brainstorming other ideas too, that would be a fit. So really it's not that long. I mean, you don't want people to have to scroll and scroll. Ideally right. they open up their, you know, the email and they can kind of read it on one page. Got it. Cool. So, all right. So let's say that we get on some podcast or we get on some form of media, some type of, of PR What's the best way to leverage that? What do we do with that? Because ultimately, for all of us, we want to we want it to have some type of impact on our business. And ideally, we want it to generate some form of, of income or revenue for the business. So, And sometimes being involved with, with media or PR is kind of an indirect way to go about that. So let's say that we're on some type of media or podcast or, or post or site or whatever. What should we do with it? I know you mentioned you know sharing it with our audience or posting it on Facebook or promoting it on Facebook. But what else can we do with that? Or is there anything even within that, you know, the media itself that we should be doing some type of call to action or what, like, what do we do with that piece? Yeah, absolutely. So 
with the media that you're looking to secure, you want to get really clear on what is your purpose around the media. So let's say, you know, you're looking to secure some podcast interviews that are going to help you with your launch. You know, this happened to me a while back when I got on the Mixergy podcast and I, you know, developed a relationship with a podcast host, just, you know, emailing back Mm -hmm. and forth and finding ways to just be a helpful person, even introducing him to other guests that could be good for the show. And then before we started the interview, you know, Andrew Warner asked me, like, how can I make this interview really great for you? And even if the host isn't asked you, you know, you want to be clear before the interview, like if there are certain free gifts that you want to share or certain website links and things like that. So the person has a heads up. So I will oftentimes tell people, I have this great gift that I think is going to be really complimentary. I want to share it with you in advance. Let me know if we can talk about it on the podcast interview. And so, you know, with Andrew Warner, I told him that I had a group program that I was looking to launch. I would love to spend, you know, time on the podcast kind of talking about that and also about my free gift. So that became my main focus of the podcast interview. And then what I did is when I was about to launch the program, I sent out the interview to my list and I said to them, you know, I did this interview. I'm so excited. And Andrew Warner is one of those, you know, scary interviewers who asks you how much money you make and really grills you. And I shared it with my team and asked whether I should share this with my list. And they said, yes. And I think it's one of the best interviews I've done. I talk about X, Y, and Z. You know, I really sell people on why they should listen to the interview. And so people were listening to that where I basically talked about the program that I was launching. So it was almost like a a form of like pre-launch content. And then during the launch, I had my, you know, sales webinar. But the thing is not everybody on our email list will sign up for our webinar. And even the people that sign up don't necessarily show up. So, you know, if people are signing up for a high-end group program or whatever it is, you're selling, you want to have lots of different touch points. And so, you know, after the webinar, I sent an email to people saying that as doors are now open for this program, I know it's a big decision to decide whether to spend the next six months with me in the program. So I want to help you get to know me better. So, you know, here's an interview that I did with Andrew Warner, where I talk about X, Y, and Z. And people literally emailed me and said things like, you know, between the webinar and the podcast interview, I felt like I really got to know you. And that gave me confidence in joining your $3,000 program. Another thing that I've done is I have included my some of my best interviews in my email nurture sequence. So whenever someone is joining my list, I'm rolling out the red carpet and I'm giving them some of my best content up front. So high level in terms of leveraging your media, there's a couple of things you want to do. One is you want to use that media to get new people into your website, your email list, your community. And you would do that by linking to an opt-in page, by announcing some kind of free gift and ideally getting the media outlets buying on that. So you can you know drive people to your website. So you'd use that to expand your audience. The other thing you would do is get your existing audience excited about it by sharing the story around how you got the media And then really encouraging them to check it out, leave comments, share, and so forth. The other thing is, you know, including those media logos and places where people are going to take an action, whether it is making a buying decision or registering for a webinar or opting in, but having those media logos right there front and center. Also having those media logos on prominent places on your website, like your homepage, and also updating your media bio. I know so many people who land amazing media, but it's nowhere to be seen. They don't put it on their website. They don't include it in their media bio, so nobody else knows about it. And then the other big thing would also be running ads to the media that you get, because that's a really great way to build a know, like, and trust uh, factor with your audience and also get cheaper opt-ins. 
And then the other thing is it's a great way to circle back with people who have been on the fence and thinking about working with you and saying, hey, I just wanted to circle back with you. And by the way, wanted to share, you know, this article, this interview that I did with this media outlet. You know, I have had people, you know, when I post my media, people will say things like, you know, Selena, I'm seeing you everywhere. And I feel like this is a sign that we're meant to work together. People will literally say that. And it's, and the reason why they're seeing it is because I have made a conscious choice to put that media front and center so that my audience is very aware of it. Gotcha. Very cool. Well, Selena, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to share some of these wisdom uh, and insights with us. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can we go? Yeah. So they can go to selenasue.com slash VIP video. Um, I have a special gift for them called how to get VIP access to media influencers and online stars. And I share different strategies to um, develop relationships with hard to reach people and get them to become part of your inner circle. Cool. Very cool. Well, Selena, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and I will be sure and I'll link that up in the show notes. Thanks so much, Greg. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Selena Sue. A lot of great information. As you as you heard at the beginning, there's a little skeptical on you know why does this matter? Do speakers need to pay attention to it? But it really does matter. It really does help build some credibility, some expertise in the marketplace. So a lot of great stuff here from Selena. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. Hey, would you do me a favor if you listen to the podcast on a regular basis? Would you do me a favor and just tell someone else about it? Let someone else know. Hey, if you're interested in speaking, check out this cool podcast that I listen to. It's totally free. We've got a lot of episodes here. So pick out a couple of your favorites, share them with them. And uh, we really do appreciate you, uh, you sharing the podcast with others. All right, my friends, we'll catch you next time. You're awesome.